Welcome to Pregnancy Help Podcast. I'm Christine Grimmett, and October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the resources that are available to clients who are experiencing pregnancy or infant loss, how you can help them walk through that time of grief and help them find healing. There are some great resources that Sarah West, who's our guest for this episode, she's the Director of Clinics at the Institute of Reproductive Grief Care. She's going to point us to some things that uh, your center can uh, use along with clients, as well as some resources for staff and volunteers who work with those clients. And we know that loss can take a toll on the volunteers and staff as well as the the client herself. So we'll be talking self-care, compassion, fatigue, all of the resources that are available to um, heal during a time of loss. Let me mention first that our sponsor is Option Line. Option Line connects women and men with pregnancy-related questions to life-affirming pregnancy help near them. They can even schedule appointments for centers, providing real-time assistance to women when they need it most. Our professionally trained consultants are equipped to handle the tough calls, even when centers' doors are closed. Go to optionline.org to learn more. And I'll turn things over to Krista Brown. She's the Director of Medical Impact at Heartbeat International. Krista, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you, Christine. And Sarah, it's just amazing to finally meet you and learn more about your good work. Um, As you know, probably already know this, but all of us at Heartbeat International are big fans of life perspectives, and we appreciate you bringing value to life even when that life was maybe shorter than expected. We really do appreciate that about your work. And um, the life perspectives approach towards patients and clients is definitely mirrored in Heartbeat International's teaching, and so we're consistently cheering you on, and we, we just really do love your work there. So, Sarah, tell us a little bit about your background and how how your work intersects with the pro-life pregnancy help community. Yeah, thank you, Krista. And thank you so much for those wonderful, warm words. Um, you know, I, I, I talk a lot in my training about how I kind of got into the role that I was um, previously serving in healthcare in speech pathology, audiology. I worked with newborns and in the NICU for quite a long time. Um, and also taught. And about eight years ago, um, we're almost coming up on his eight-year birthday, um, I went in for just a routine six-month OB checkup. I had an unremarkable pregnancy. It was my fourth child. And uh, when I went in, doctor wasn't happy with the heart rate. And within 48 hours, I had given birth to and lost my youngest son. Um, And that really kind of propelled me into supporting others and kind of being there for others who are experiencing or impacted by loss such as this. Um, I didn't really feel the support that I really wanted um, and needed at the time. And it was, I don't know, about six months after I'd lost my son, I remember reaching out to a local pregnancy center for help and support. Um, You know, I was that 21-year-old college student previously who showed up at a pregnancy clinic pregnant with my oldest son. And their support, what they did and provided for me, um, you know, helped me really kind of start off on on life with him. And now we have a strapping six foot four, 21-year-old who is kind of the product of that. So when I really struggled after the loss of my youngest son, um, that's where I went back for support. And it's kind of the avenue that led me 
toward life perspectives and, and, you know, life perspectives, we've launched the Institute of Reproductive Grief Care um, just this past January. And it's really, really, it's been such a wonderful way for me to kind of give back and to support others, families, um, men, women, anyone who's really impacted by this loss. And also just to kind of provide our, our care providers, our clinicians, our advocates, our staff and volunteers with the support that they need um, to know how they can provide that healing within their centers and clinics. That is this precious story though, that um, through tremendous loss, what good could come out of that? And yeah. only, only that can happen with the Lord, right? So yeah, and also that you found support through your first pregnancy and then also later for the other need that you had. You yeah. knew that that was a safe place to go, that they would yeah. that they would love on you, even in that other circumstance that was very different than your first pregnancy. I love that. So when we start working in a center, I think many of us are very surprised how often loss occurs, how we're walking beside families who are experiencing loss. Could you uh, walk us through a bit of some of the situations that a client might face when dealing with loss and some of the physical and emotional needs that she has in that moment? You know, Krista, I think it's really hard to process in that moment, you know, and I, I remember that. Um, you don't process. There's so many feelings and emotions that are going on. Um, the, the one really truly is in, you know, physically, they're going to be going through a postpartum period in a sense, right? Um, but emotionally, just dealing with just so many different feelings and emotions. I, I often say sometimes it's really that pain that one holds on to because that, that pain is kind of the only thing left. If I hold on to the pain, then I'm not going to forget. Um, and, and I tell care providers and advocates and clinicians all the time is to help someone share their story and talk about their story so that we can get to a place where we're letting go of that pain. Um, we can still grieve when, you know, we're going to grieve on and off forever. Um, we're going to continually work through our healing daily, right? And we we can be proactive about working through our healing. But I think if if care providers can really help someone let go of that pain and move forward on their healing journey, I think that's just such a great way to emotionally and physically help support someone. It can be challenging in that moment to really know the right words or the yeah. right um actions to take. Um, we want to help. And sometimes it's hard to know what to say or do. And then for those of us that offer ultrasound, for example, sometimes mm -hmm. we're experiencing the loss right alongside of her because we're seeing the same thing that she's seeing. And that can be tremendously difficult. For those that work in centers as staff or volunteers, um, what can you say to a grieving parent after the loss of their baby? Um, how can you give that gentle support that she might need in that moment or, the, or for the entire family, actually? But especially for her? You know, I think it starts with just simple phrases, right? We, we don't need to say too much that, that, you know, might be intentionally good, but are still hurtful in a way. Um, I, yeah, I just, I think anyone, right, can respond compassionately and without judgment. Um, I always say there's just simply by saying, I'm so sorry. You know, I hope you know, this is not your fault. I'm here for you and ask, how can I support you? Um, 
quite often so many of us that, that are impacted by these losses are not asked, how can we be supported? Um, especially the partners and men, right? And other family members. Um, I think even just saying to someone, how can we remember your baby with you is just so powerful. Um, I, just knowing that there's no shoulds, there's no timeline to our grief. You know, grief is very real and the healing journey is also very real, but just simple, simple phrases, you know, even saying things like, I really don't know what to say right now, but I am here for you is, is very impactful. I I love all of that, Sarah. That's, that's perfect. Yes. And then kind of switching it over to those helpers. Um, So compassion is kind of a common thread of all of us who work in pregnancy help. We have so much compassion. Um, We we have that deep empathy for that person suffering um, and we want to just help. We want to heal their pain any way we can, but this can, of course, then move over onto us. Now we're, we're carrying that same weight. And so um, I remember when I had worked in pregnancy help maybe 10 years or so, so many people telling me your time's probably almost finished because no one mm-hmm. works in pregnancy help more than 10 years. Yeah. And in my mind, I was thinking this is just the beginning and it, and it really was just the beginning, but there is a high rate of burnout for those that are in um, fields where there is a lot of compassion fatigue. Um, the turnover rate is high um, because it just can become really taxing when we're carrying around some of these things. What types of self-care for compassion fatigue with staff and volunteers would you recommend centers implement for, for their team? You know, I, I actually teach a course called Invigorating Compassion, Krista, where um, I talk about compassion fatigue and burnout. I think your nurses on your team actually take some of our Invigorating Compassion courses. Um, and the, one of the biggest things that I really do when I'm coaching different centers and clinics is I tell them to make sure they have some of those um, assessments in place so that they can annually or as needed assess their staff um, so that they can take a look at where they are. You know, am I getting a little fatigued? Am I kind of in that burnout mode? How can I, how can I kind of reinvigorate my compassion to caring um, and, and kind of stop that, that trajectory that I'm on and, and change that path? Um, you know, one of those things is building a self-care action plan. You really need to have one of those self-care plans in place, both individually and at the organizational level, um, self-care policies can be such great things. And I know, you know, oh, self-care is kind of like hitting a moving target, right? You know, we just, it's, we don't have enough time in the day for what we're doing, let alone, oh, I need to stop and actually make some time for myself. But it's, it's really important when we're providing care, um, you know, in particular our centers and clinics, right, where we're dealing with already so many crises and then we're going through these losses that might occur right along with our clients and patients. Um, just making sure that you really build that action plan in where you say, even if it's just five or 10 minutes a day, you know, I'm going to stop and pause and I'm just going to let my mind go for a minute. Um, when I worked in the hospital settings, I remember I would, I would call it my vitamin D breaks, right? And I would, I would take my chair, a chair in an empty patient room, and it didn't matter if it was sunny or not, I would just go 
pull that chair over by the window and just close my eyes and just let my brain go for about five to 10 minutes, which is really hard to do when you're in a busy clinical setting. But it was so necessary and important for me just to kind of reinvigorate what I was doing and where I was at. Um, you know, those self-care plans can, they can do so many things. Um, there's a couple centers that I have worked with and I love, and I share this because I just love what they do with their teams. And they really build these self-care policies in place to where if, if something is just too raw or too hard for a staff member or a volunteer to face that day, they have really built these policies in place to say, it's okay for you to opt out. It's okay for you to say, I can't take on that client today. I need to step back and have someone else step in. Um, you know, we have some teams that they sit down and eat lunch together, family style every day. They shut the clinic down for an hour um, and they refuse to talk about work. And they, they literally just share lunch with each other for an hour every day. And it's a, it's a great way for them to build in that self-care and that self-policy um, for their organization. So really kind of getting some of those policies in place for your team and department, but also for yourself, having that plan of action um, and, and do things that, that you want to do and that you like to do, right? Make sure that when you are giving yourself some self-care time that you are not doing things for other people. Um, I always laugh in training because I say, you know how sometimes you're in that carpool line at school and you think, okay, I can jam out to music or get on social media and that self-care time, but you're doing something for someone else. So make sure that you allow yourself moments throughout the day where you can just completely get lost and really refill that cup back up so that you can continue to have that compassion to serve others. Yeah, that's, that's just tremendous. Yeah. And even in the beginning part of what you said about just identifying that the burnout is starting to happen, mm -hmm. sometimes that's the most challenging part because we don't even know that we've went down that path. And I know for me, there was a moment we were having a ceremony for um, for an, an aborted child, someone who had had a loss and this mom wanted a memorial. And in that moment, I realized all that I was carrying and all the babies that I had helped, yeah. you know, um, all the moms I'd helped, all the families I'd helped and how I really wasn't processing, but I didn't know I here. I was just carrying it around because we just yeah. keep piling more on our little shoulders and we just keep going day to day. And so having that assessment is incredible. And then also having, I think um, like, a healthy team that can discuss it because mm -hmm. I know on the teams that I've worked at on um, it's important that when you hear it, sometimes somebody else can identify it rather than like, you can say it and you didn't even hear what the words that came out of your mouth, how they came across and somebody else can go, wow, that, that is, that's harsh. And that is not like you. And that I think you, maybe you need some time to step back a minute. So, so that's important. And then all those th other things you discussed are just so incredibly valuable if we want to um, continue in this ministry long-term and the, the policies that, that you mentioned, we've implemented those at APRN with our team because it's just so valuable to have a team that can take some time for themselves and make sure that they are healthy so that they can care for others. So, and, and like I said, so many of us in, 
in this work, we we tend to focus on others. We tend to not think of ourselves almost at all. It's almost there's a feeling of selfishness if you're if you're taking care of yourself a little bit. But it becomes very challenging to care for others when you've not taken a step yeah. back at times, right? Yeah. So, and that isn't selfish. It's healthy. It's right. And the Lord loves us, and He wants us to take care of ourselves as much as He loves the others that we're caring for. So. Absolutely. And I know some of the um, amazing resources Life Perspectives has available for centers. Um, Could you share about some of those resources, what you have to offer and how we can access those? Absolutely. So, um, of course, we do have our printed healing resource books and booklets. So you can find the changed book online. You can find our hope after loss book online. Um, You can also find them on Amazon. Now we do have an Amazon store. Um, So we have our printed resource booklets that are great if you want to be able to provide someone something that they can take home with them. Many of the clinics and centers I work with have used those booklets um, for individual sessions, for group support. Um, So the printed booklets are great. But what what I really love, and, and this is kind of a roundabout way how I found life's perspectives was our healing websites. And we have a couple healing websites online. Um, one of them is called abortionchangesyou.com. The other healing website is called miscarriagehurts.com. And oh, the healing pathways that one can work through on these healing websites are just amazing. Um, people can do them on their own time. They They have 24-7 access, around-the-clock support, and they are anonymous healing websites. But the other thing that's really great for clinicians, for advocates, for staff and volunteers at clinics and centers is they can literally pull up these healing websites and they can walk through some of the healing pathways right alongside that client. Um, They can, and they don't really need to even know what to do because there there really is all of these instructions right there on the healing websites um, for them. And they're just, they're really wonderful ways for us to kind of work through our grieving journey and and our healing process. Um, In our shop, we also offer memorial items, which is just amazing. Um, We've had quite a few clinics and centers that have been bulk ordering some of our comfort boxes so that they do have a box with some memorial items um, on hand to be able to provide to clients who are impacted by loss. That's just wonderful. Yeah. To have those resources available at the time when you need them is amazing. And to be able to go right on the website and be able to walk her through that would be tremendous. So yeah. And I've, I've seen some of the quotes from those, from those websites and um, it's, it's wonderful that it can be anonymous, that women feel, can feel free to share without judgment, because I think it, it can be challenging at times, especially if the loss was very early and maybe not valued by society as it should be. It can be hard to process those feelings and emotions and um, to be able to do that anonymously and have that support available is wonderful. So, and then to have those, the, the, the packs available for the centers that they could hand those out in that moment when there is a loss, um, it helps there to be something to do, something yeah. that feels like it, that is helpful to do in that moment that is giving to her and something that she can um, remember her child with. So that's wonderful, Sarah. So in closing, Sarah, who is someone who has really impacted the way you do your ministry today? You know, I, I always want to say my grandmother. Um, she she was such a powerful woman, right? All of my grandmothers were really, but uh, in particular, my grandma, Joe, she really, 
the way that she led and she served others um, was just, she was such a light and she left the earth here four years ago, but I really grew watching how she served and cared for and loved on everyone. I mean, regardless of race, creed, religion, or opinion, right? She, she fed everyone. She gave to anyone who crossed her path. Um, and she personally lived, she really had a, a tough life in her own relationship, um, but she still continued to open up her heart and she shared her love and creativity with the community in ways that I'm not sure I ever can. Um, but I really look up to how she really embodied the whole, what would Jesus do? Right. And she did that. And I just really look up to how she approached serving others. And that's all I can hope to be. Oh, that's precious. Yeah. I love that. Um, also, I, I've always said that in pregnancy help, it we often do, we, we often serve in the role that maybe a sister or mom or grandma mm-hmm. would would have in the past, maybe the Whitman families were close, you know, tighter. And so maybe we can all strive to be a grandma Joe like you, like you had in your in your own walk. So thank you, Sarah, so much for being here with us and sharing this important topic. Um, for those of you who work in pregnancy help, Sarah and her team have so many resources available. You can go to lifeperspectives.com for more information about this organization. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you each of you who are listening have a wonderful day. And I'll pass it back to you. Christine. Hey, thanks, Krista. Thank you, Sarah. Appreciate your time and your expertise and your personal testimony. Um, Again, those two websites that Sarah mentioned are abortionchangesu.com and miscarriagehurts.com. Those are the ones that you can walk through with your client. And so we appreciate everything that Institute of Reproductive Grief Care has for you to access uh, through those resources. So check out the links for those in the show notes as well. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss another episode. We'll have more in the future on topics like self-care. So stay tuned and uh, we'll see you next time on the podcast.